0: For rocking with us, check it. Julie, kick off the show.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Crazy and the King.
0: Off top, shout out to Kendrick Lamar. I'm telling you, the heart part five is absolutely must listen to music. And And, you know, Jay, most of the time, I don't really bring up music and things of that sort because, you know, I just... I don't know. I mean, it's not as if we don't use profanity every once in a while here, but a lot of the music, it has the N-word in it, or oftentimes, sometimes it may have the N-word in it, and I don't like to promote that. But I will tell you, that song is absolutely incredible. So off the top, shout out to Kendrick Lamar. Your talent is something that should absolutely be recognize i appreciate the thoughtfulness that you you use to curate your your music what's popping partner how you feel
1: oh well i feel awesome i already have the video picked up or uh queued up for as soon as we hang up for kendrick lamar and yes bad words a we use them way more than sometimes and b um (laughs) i know that there are other words we don't like encourage in, in rap music and, and some R&B, but like the talk about mental health, the talk about like actual society and all that stuff, like in rap music, in bar R&B music is completely so like absorbing and on point. Like so many people dismiss it because the language, um, and they shouldn't, they absolutely shouldn't.
0: Yeah, no, it's important. Um it's absolutely important. So we we have a rich show um in front of you today. We we really want to talk about just uh, a variety of things, but there is a couple of stories that we want to uh to focus on and number one, uh forced sterilizations somehow made it on tap this week. Forced sterilizations and you know, it makes me think about I, I can't even remember what we what we covered a couple of years back where a couple of states were trying to put, uh, force people to go through like this Christian therapy or something of the sort so that they would kind of denounce their, uh, transgender leanings or interests or their LGBTQ. You remember when we talked about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Conversion therapy. Conversion
0: therapy. Thank you. Thank you. That was the, uh, that's the phrase. So, uh, in Germany, Uh, What we found in this article, it it was a tweet, but we found that trans Germans used to be forcibly sterilized to change their legal gender. And many right now are fighting for justice, uh, which was the headline of this particular tweet. Did you see that, Jay?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is incredible, right? So this is what, 1981 to 2011 around ten thir- 10,000 trans-German citizens face the fate of forced sterilization. So basically, right, like you said, I want to change my gender, want to go through that transition legally. And in order to do that in Germany, you had to go through incredibly invasive and unwanted surgery to be sterilized permanently to change your legal gender. Absolutely incredible.
0: And 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 you know what I what I wasn't understanding, I had to read it a couple times, but but help me to understand this. So there was a port of portion of the tweet where basically you you couldn't just denounce that you no longer wanted to believe or move in a certain way, but that you had to go through this invasive surgery. Am, am I hearing it? Am I understanding it yeah. correctly? Denouncing it was one step. Yep. Then you had to go through the surgery to sort of make it official. A- am I clear on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. It kind of harkens back to an an episode we had a couple weeks ago where a, a transgender inmate impregnated some women in her cell block in, in her prison in New Jersey. And this basically, before a person could transition, they were forced to undergo permanent Sterilization in order to be legally recognized and protected with their gender transition.
0: Yeah, and thirty-two percent of Germans think that they already have enough rights. Um, so we're not thinking about you know just the German population uh, at at large. And basically, what they're saying is, listen, this is a non-starter. You, this is not important. Mm-hmm. So thirty-two percent of Germans feel like people in the LGBTQ community our lgbtqiaa community have enough rights and 20% of germans said that they have too many rights this was actually a poll a recent poll over on yougov y o u g o v and and here's the deal i don't care what you think
1: <laughs> right
0: what we are saying is that somebody forced them to go through a surgery, changing everything in their life. Yeah. These people want some degree of recourse. And and I yeah. just feel like Julie, people who have been aggrieved should have some recourse. They should yeah. at least be able to pursue recourse and let the chips fall where they may. That so I'm I'm maybe in the Let's see, if 32% feel like they already have enough rights, then I'm in the 68% or possibly 68% that are saying, "Now nah, let them have some recourse and see what happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, but it, if you do the math, right, 32% have enough rights and 20% say they have too many rights. So that's basically 52% of Germans who say, you're good or you got too much. And so you and I would sit in the 48% that say, "Um, if you forced me to make a decision to not have a child, you made me go undergo an unwanted sterilization. There's some compensation and some recompensation, but we'll we'll cut that part out. But that is due back to to those 10,000 people.
0: I love that. I love that. Also last week um, in our episode, and if you missed it, crazyIntheking.com, crazyintheking.com. But last week I asked a question uh, concerning DEIB folks, people like myself, you, so many others that we know in the space. And basically the question was, are we doing enough? Are we genuine in the work that we are doing? While we are advocating and fighting for access and presence and a seat at the table and resources and support, uh, development, and and we're, we're fighting for all of these things for people in general, are we doing enough to prepare them for the downside of this you know automation is coming through jobs are being lost a lot of these people that we are putting in creative economies perhaps even manufacturing frontline labor economies a lot of these people are going to to be out of work just as a function of technology and advancement and so I asked the question are we doing enough and so I found this article around Google yet again um, offering small businesses all small businesses in the US. I stress that every small business in the US can benefit from what Julie and I uncovered. So it looks like Google is offering $100,000 certificates. So every small business in the US can benefit from that. I think that's a good thing.
1: No, I, I mean, it absolutely is. I, the conversation that we had last week was probably one of my favorite ones that we've had in four, four seasons of having these conversations because we took um, the scope and the scale of the way people think about DEIB to an entirely different level. And so with that conversation, I think that we really advance that. And I always appreciate the things that Google is doing. They do a lot of fantastic things for nonprofits, seeing them do this work around um, certifying people who work at small businesses. like It's really, really fantastic. And I think as DEI leaders, just like we talked about last week, this is what we should be talking about. This should be a part of every conversation at the table, upskilling, reskilling, all of the buzzwords. We should be at the table for those conversations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this really is a really, really big give on Google's part. So every single U.S. business up to um, is ele- eligible to receive up to 500 Google career certificate scholarships to upskill their employees, 500 upskill scholarships and the value of those 500 or up to 500 is around $100,000. What they are saying is that if your business has the capacity and you can upskill the, um, the, 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 uh, I guess the professional platform of 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, 50 people, as many as you can do up to 500, they will do that. They are basically giving your business $100,000 to say, I want to make sure that America's workforce is better prepared for tomorrow. I thought that this was like absolutely incredible. Uh, I just thought about how many small businesses that I know, convenient stores that may need uh, somebody to come through and rerun or Redeploy technology, and and the people that own the store don't have the acumen. They don't necessarily know what that looks like. I think about my clothier. My clothier is an incredible, one of the uh, best and well dressed men here in Baltimore City. Put him in front of a computer, and he's like a deer in headlights. He absolutely does not really uh, submit himself to that type of learning. Building websites, social media marketing. All of those things, and this right here, I thought was an awesome thing. I'm like literally sharing it with all of my friends via direct email.
1: Yeah, and A, I love that you have a clothier, and B, what an amazing opportunity to grow and upskill and hire diverse talent who needs that fr- first foot in the door, who needs that next level up for nothing out of your out of your pocket as a small business there's nothing more that we're looking for, right? Opportunity to grow people and limited amount of, of spend on our part.
0: Absolutely. Uh, gotta tell you. So here's a fun story. We are going to end on a really good note up top in the show. Uh, and I think somewhere in the show, Julie has an address to share with you, but this is a historic and an homage type um, send off. The last surviving Tuskegee Airman. Uh, who lives in Rhode Island. His name is Victor Butler. He's asking for birthday cards for his 100th mm. birthday. I, yes. listen, when I saw this, when you popped this one over on uh, you know on our chat earlier this morning, I just smiled like I literally saw myself smiling like here we are um, about to lose such an incredible piece and contribution to history. yet we can smile while we have him. We can absolutely smile while we have him. I loved this story.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely did. I was reading it this morning and like, he loves to do puzzles. I love to do puzzles. Like when, honestly, like when I'm at my most anxious, I will sit down and work on a puzzle, something that keeps my hands busy. And I find it very calming. Like it quiets my brain and he does the same. Um, And it just, Again, an amazing part of history. He was a mechanic um, in Tuskegee, and he talks about how wonderful it was to be on the airfield, but it was the town that was bad, right? It was that white people didn't find acceptable for black soldiers to be walking around and how much he's been through and to share that story. And then just the little pieces of him um, you know, around, he promises to read every card. He loves puzzles, like all of those things. Like, I'm absolutely sending a card. And if you want to send a card, wait till the name drop and we'll give you all the information on how to reach Mr. Butler.
0: Okay. So the good part is you and I, we we are connected uh, even when we're not recording. So I think it would be fun for you and mom to do a card together. Um, I don't know if you're going to draw it with crayons or markers, but you know, just snap a shot if you can. If mom is not afraid of the camera, put that joint up in the air, snap a shot of you and mom sending Mr. Butler a card and send it to me so we can keep that in our history books. We got a couple of historic pictures. Um, my favorite historic picture of you sitting at the United Nations right now. Um, our drinking pictures don't count. That United Nations (laughs) picture is historic. All right, cool. So that will do it for Jay and I um, in the small talk. Quick commercial. We'll be right back. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. So in a flash, officials at the University of Massachusetts Amherst are denouncing a follow-up racist email sent to black students and organizations on campus. Oh, a follow-up. How cute. The email actually sent last week refers to black students as, wait for it, as animals and taunts the lack of progress on the previous investigation into a similar racist email sent in the fall of 2021. I suppose they didn't receive enough attention, which is the reason, Jay, they just had to do it all over again. Uh, I read somewhere that long-termism, long-termism should not be confused with long-term thinking. Uh, I've never heard of long-termism, and you probably have not either and why not because this is another super wealthy long termist type thing which is the reason that the far future in their opinion could contain way more value than exists today uh or has existed so far in human history which stretches back some 300,000 years long termism long term thinking I'm confused. Um, And while I have your attention, let me insert this PSA. Some companies have still not adopted any formal structure regarding DEIB. You are playing with a ticking time bomb that will have lasting impact on how you grow during this next phase of business. I promise you, you've been warned differently. No siren, no sound effect. Just a reminder. And lastly, Peloton is trying to position instructors as influencers, and Taco Bell is creating a musical with Dolly Parton and Doja Cat. Now, if you don't know who Doja Cat or Taco Bell are, phone a friend.
1: All right, welcome back. I'm going to need to uh, find out more about the uh, Doja Cat musical because I love Doja Cat. You love, love Doja Deli Cat? Par- oh, I love you, Doja
0: Cat. You, okay, love, got it, got it, got love, it. Love
1: Doja Cat. Love Dolly Parton. Okay, also love Taco Bell. There's the, the bad thing about Wait me. Wait a
0: minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait <laughs> a minute. You, you still eat at Taco Bell? Really?
1: So like once a quarter, I eat at Taco Bell. Do not okay, tell my Okay, so now
0: this is, the, I was going to, you, <laughs> you see my fingers up. I couldn't even get it out fast enough. This is like the second time on record where you admit to stopping in a drive through where if he knew you were parked in the drive through he would absolutely have a fit. Like he would act. Yes. you know, there used to be a car dealership. I'm sure there are probably several of them. When you didn't pay your uh, auto payment on time, they literally would flip a switch and your vehicle just wouldn't even start. Like if, if Chad knew that you were in a couple <laughs> of these drive-ups, he would probably cut your, which reminds me, I don't know if you, um, have any friends with a Tesla. But Mm -mm. apparently when the pandemic started, I just learned this a couple of, uh, I just learned this last week when I was in Chicago. Apparently when the pandemic started, Tesla sells a feature and basically in the cars, there's a lot of software. Well, there's a piece of the software that says you can go X number of miles on a charge, or you can go X plus number of miles on that same charge but what you have to do is kind of unlock that piece of the software like literally and you're paying like an extra 10 or fifteen thousand to be able to unlock that piece of software same battery but in the software it tells the battery okay we'll let the person's vehicle go this far or pay an extra fee a premium and we'll let the vehicle go even further, and apparently during the pandemic, they flipped that switch on like a bunch of the vehicles who had not made that investment, just so that they could be able to go that far. I, I, I was like, wow, that's crazy.
1: Wow, how generous! Like,
0: how pink. generous? How <sighs> generous? We'll, we'll, we'll get to you eating at Taco Bell another time. That's, that's a whole, <laughs> that, that's a whole other show. That's a whole nother show. But we, we, we got bigger issues right now, and. Taco Bell is a part of culture. Um, You know, there is a culture out there that really loves Taco Bell. But but when I think about culture and I say this often, Julie, um, culture doesn't start inside of the corporate corridor. It starts inside of our circumstance and our condition. Culture includes these return to work policies. Culture includes how we look at voting laws or children in cages. Culture includes the most recent Supreme Court link, uh, uh, leak around the abortion ban, if you will, and whether or not the political parties that be will switch and be able to codify or not codify. Culture is all of that. and And what I think is going on right now is that more organizations are going to have to heed that warning that I talked about in a flash, they are going to have to find some degree of truth and courage around being able to participate and navigate these culture wars, social imperatives, and that deafening corporate silence that that I don't think is really working out for too many of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, actually it's funny, Chad and I were having this conversation yesterday that uh, I like, I know I say it every time, but the Edelman Trust Barometer, like is something I go back to month after month, every year after we, we review it. And what the Edelman Trust Barometer was very clear about is that we trust no one right now, except for our own CEOs. And that we also expect our CEOs to speak out against injustice and immorality and not make it about politics. And this whole conversation around culture just took me back to that is like, hey, we've got to have leaders that have a spine, and we've got to have leaders who are willing to have a conversation that is uncomfortable to some of our employees, and some of our shareholders. Because mostly, if if we're led by, this may not even be the right way to say it, but if we're led by what the majority drives us to, we're going to speak against those injustices that we see every day in our workplaces and in our lives.
0: So, pardon me, part of the challenge is that um, you, you briefly mentioned politics a moment ago. Um, p- part of the challenge is that you know when typically when we've looked at corporate America, we tend to think that you know big corporate America, I, I don't want to speak for the smaller side of corporate America, but big corporate America tend tended to lean more to the right, whether that be in how they made their donations, um perhaps how they identified politically themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that historically we've 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 generally seen that corporate America has leaned to the right. However, we found an article over on um, Bloomberg, and the article is titled "Why Wall Street can't Escape the Culture Wars, actually.
1: Yeah, no, a great story by Adam Bonica, who's an associate professor of political science at Stanford. Um, he maps out the ideological leanings of yep. industries by analyzing data on what we talk about a lot, political no, quick, contributions. Quick, and,
0: and, and quick correction, the, the yeah. article is not by Adam. The, the article is actually by Paul J. Davies. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Um, but Adam um, talks about the, the ideology and political contributions, which you and I have talked about a lot, um, and has found that the ideology, the ideolo- ideology, Jesus.
0: Ideological. I-
1: ideology.
0: I, don't worry. I only It's only because I got this one. <laughs> I've had more time to look at it than you did. You you know how to say it. It's just the tongue twister. That's all.
1: Sometimes that's I'm all. not sure if I do. So anyway, it crossed the center line and yeah. has rapidly become more liberal in the target targets of its funding since 2012, which I thought was very fascinating.
0: See now. and, And when you go to the article and look at it, you know what Adam did, he marked it over the last 30 or 40 years, if I'm not mistaken. And so, you know, if you are really studying the maps or the graphs that Adam shares, it's a slow move up to 2012. You You slowly see the shift of these contributions and identification and participations right or left or center happening over the last 30 or 40 years. But since 2012, and I know this to be, I I shouldn't say I know this to be the case because, you know, Adam, as smart as he probably is, is well-researched as this article is, appears to be, there might be somebody definitely somebody that would refute what he is saying. But I remember when we first started, uh, Julie, when uh, I want to say it was like 2019, when we were just a year or so into our podcast, I remember coming across a uh, HBR article. Was it an HBR article? I think it was an HBR article, well-documented academic white paper. And it really talked about the contributions from uh, corporate America to the, the the right, and and it 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 recounted time of twenty ten to like twenty fourteen or fifteen. It's been a huge change in the last four or five years.
1: Yeah, and I I find it also very interesting. Something that we're starting to see. So in this article, they talk specifically about Citigroup uh, CEO Jane Fraser, who is really like. Put her neck on the line right when she's talking about putting me- on uh, vaccine, the line on the line of uh, vaccine mandates to combat covid and now pledges to support uh, female staff who are in states that are banning or criminalizing abortions. In fact, taking a lot of heat from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the last uh, 10 days.
0: Yeah, and there's a number of organizations and part of the reason why we are having this conversation, I know the the abortion piece is the topic du jour. It's not the only topic, but it most certainly is a pressing and top of story topic right now. And, you know, there are some that say, Well, wait a minute, you know, why is it that um Jane Frazier from Citigroup is the only one? And let me tell you, Jane is catching catching it from both sides. She's catching it from The individuals who are in support of the abortion ban, regular people. She's catching it from politicians, particularly in Texas. You know, uh, a lot of part, well, I shouldn't say um, Texas, but you got a lot of politicians that are in the Senate that are saying, you know what? Let's not do any business with Citigroup. Whatever contracts we have with Citigroup, let's cut, let's sever those contracts, let's take that money away from them. And so, Jane Frazier. Should not be the only one who is amplifying the need for us to take care of the people that build our businesses. You do have a sprinkling here or there of organizations willing to pay, you know, uh, travel costs if uh, if their employees have to travel beyond a certain, you know, uh, number of miles to be able to receive the medical or the health care that they are looking for. But whether it be the return to work policies, whether it be voting rights acts, which voting rights, which I think far too many organizations were silent on. It could be like the Ukraine we talked about over the last couple of months. I'd love to see, and I'm on record for saying it, I'd love to see more organizations, companies speak up about what's happening in Yemen and some of the other countries around. Listen, Julie, we can't, I I know that they would say that, you know, there's, but so much bandwidth. We, We can't, speak about everything but what i think is we have enough companies that all of them can stand up for something may not be yeah. this issue but they're standing up for this issue i guess what i'm really really looking for is just that they're not taking the position of being silent and you said it a moment ago it's about having that courage
1: yeah i mean it absolutely is and and you know yes what we're talking about with abortion is topical it's timely it's news um but like we talked about a couple weeks ago right if you if you let the devil in the window the devil's still in the house and once we go down this road that we're going on right i we and i actually shared some interesting videos this week of um men standing and blocking access to abortion clinics saying it is not your body it's your choice your body is my body
0: yeah i couldn't believe that like i I, I, i'm gonna tell you when you yeah when you sent that across to me julie i looked at it a couple of times because i said you you know how you're on your (laughs) pardon me i was actually on my phone and so you know how you pinch your fingers together and try to widen them so you can get in maybe zoom a little bit I literally was looking at that tweet and I'm saying to myself, I need to zoom in because I need to kind of see the facial um, expression. Like, were they serious when they were saying that or were they, were they just kind of plain, if you will, being assholes, you know, just being funny. But from what I could see, they were kind of like, yeah, you know how to pop your collar type. Yeah. Yeah, It's not your body. It's not your decision. Like
1: literally. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we have Idaho and um, Mississippi who are both considering uh, bans on contraception now. In fact, uh, Governor, I believe it's uh, Tate from from Mississippi, said he would not uh, veto a a piece of legislation that disallowed contraception. Even between married couples, um, others, you know, southern states considering um, pretty dramatic criminal penalties for women who seek abortions. So, you know, the thing is, is we have a lot of companies who are doing really, really great work around diversity, equity, inclusion, and they're benefiting from it. But they're not speaking right now on behalf of women. They're not speaking right now on behalf of black women. Brown women, women with disabilities who are much more likely to be victims of sexual assault, rape, and abuse than white women. And those white women who have more access to go to a different state, who work for a city group and can take that time off and can go get those services in another state. We're really looking at companies who are silent on the biggest attack on our civil rights in 50 plus years.
0: Yeah. And um, Sundar uh, Pichai, he is the uh, CEO of Google, which we talked about earlier. He, He was actually quoted in an Inc. article, a recent Inc. article. And this is the courage that you're talking about, Julie. What he said was, so I view it as a strength and I'm abbreviating the quote, but so I view it as a strength of the company when employees speak up. I think it's important for us to take it seriously, internalizing it, acknowledging it, owning up to it, committing and making the company better is how you approach those moments. Owning, the, owning up to it and committing to it and making the company better is how you approach those moments. That is what Sundar had to say. And I think you know it's extremely important that we just really, really, really continue to consider how important it is for CEOs and other executives to continue to find a frequency that allows them to speak up and to continue to do their thing. One last point here, as we close this section, um, mental health issues are continuing to be talked about. They have been talked about more, um, more pronounced since COVID started. And I surmise I'm willing to submit to you, Jay, that I think with this whole abortion thing, even more women and more people are going to be participating in, um, you know, conversations around mental health or feeling like they, they need the help, you know, the, the health and support of like a therapist of some sort. I I just don't think that, you know, mental health is going to see a decline in its interest anytime over the next short term period.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent agree. But you know what, like really freaked me out about this, this article is one you and i talked a few weeks ago about how much it cost for a ride in a medevac in a helicopter right and venture capitalists moving into mental health actually i think puts mental health access to much greater risk than we think because it turns it into a profit center It doesn't turn it into a a service that we can access as citizens, as humans. It turns it into a cost center or it turns it into a profit center. And so when we start seeing all of this money move into mental health, we'll start seeing prices go up. We'll start seeing access go down. And... We'll start seeing lots more wait lists than are necessary because those venture capitalists and those private equity firms are looking for 10x, 15x, 20x on their return. And what we really need in this country is a continuation of mental health parity and access that we saw passed in 2008, just after the ACA.
0: Yeah. And so that's a great place for us to end it when you talk about that parity Versus the capitalistic uh, leanings of the VC firms. Uh, what, pardon me. What I want for each and every one of you as listeners inside of your respective organizations, uh, Julie just mentioned something that was passed in 2008, and it is the Paul Wellstone and Pete Dominici Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act of 2008. The acronym for that is AEA. Again, MHP. AEA is a federal law. Research the uh, Paul Wellstone and Pete Domenici Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act, which basically says that your business or your company cannot provide more or better benefit for surgical procedures versus mental health procedures.
1: Cool? Awesome. All right. Let's catch one more break and we will be back for her voice.
0: Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube. So this week in our Her Voice segment where we amplify women making moves, Atlanta's super popular Vegan restaurant, Slutty Vegan. I actually had a chance to visit it uh, back in March when I was in Atlanta. Slutty Vegan just raised $25 million, is now valued at more than $100 million. Pinky Cole opened the flagship store in 2018 and within months had done about $4 million in revenue. This right here, Jay, this is not bad for a four-year-old business that started taking orders on Instagram.
1: I love it. So also moving on up, we have Splunk promoted Katie Bianchi to SVP and chief customer officer. The Nashville Electric Service promoted CFO Teresa Broyles Applin to CEO.
0: And this is old, but it deserved a little bit more of shine. Mallory McMorrow is a Michigan state lawmaker busily doing the people's business when she had finally had enough. And if you have not seen the five minute rant on YouTube of Mallory McMorrow ripping into one of her political colleagues, it is absolutely a must watch. She gave them the business, for business, for yeah. business.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> and late for sure, we have Tracy Mears, who is a senior in 1984.
0: A senior um, in high school, by the way.
1: High school on her way to becoming Springfield High School's first black valed- valedictorian. The Illinois native was ecstatic. But in the days leading up to her graduation, Mears said there were some peculiar events happening one in particular that she remembers was an assistant principal caught illegally removing her file from a counselor's office at school. Come on.
0: So all of this time later, she finally is awarded that valedictorian status that she absolutely deserves. Shout out to you, Miss Tracy Mears. Real quick mention, if you are one of the 88% of HR professionals, uh, according to WorkVL, uh, and you have dreaded going to work in the past six months, consider scheduling a coaching session with a good friend of mine. She's down in the islands. I, I don't know if she's going to fly you down to the islands, but virtually she can at least try to get you right. You can find Julie Turney on Twitter at I am Julie Turney. I am Julie Turney. T-U-R-N-E-Y.
1: All right. And now to the name drops. If you would like to send victor butler the last surviving tuskegee airman a birthday card you can mail it to victor v-i-c-t-o-r w butler b-u-t-l-e-r care of gary butler p.o box three five two three cranston rhode island 02910. happy birthday mr butler
0: and let me tell you something, what would be fun in every single person who mails on the outside of your envelope, put the hashtag crazy and the king. Seriously, every envelope that you send on the outside, put the hashtag crazy and the king. I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pop with your digital tribe and to find your voice. Julie and I simply want you to be better humans. Like we ain't asking for a whole lot. We just want you to be a better human. We want you to build better culture, better teams, and workplaces. And we promise in exchange for that, we'll be back next week. For now, Jay and I are ghosts. See ya.